This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Well, howdy, folks. Mayor Culpa's taking a short August recess. But with everything that's happening, I just couldn't let you guys down. So stay tuned for an absolutely all-new, raw, and unfiltered interview with my favorite former prosecutor, Harry Littman. The host of the Talking Feds podcast, Littman is also an LA Times columnist and appears frequently on MSNBC. And this week, he joins us on Mea Culpa to offer a no-holds-barred look at the Trump indictment from a prosecutor's point of view. It's really fantastic. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Harry, in a recent New York Times opinion essay, Nick Ackerman, who I've had on the show, obviously, wrote why televising the Trump trials is a bad idea, saying that, and I quote, The arguments in favor of broadcasting the trials do not give enough weight to the dangers that could pose to trial witnesses and jurors or the potential to undermine the integrity of the trial processes. Do you agree with Nick's assessment? I don't. Uh, I I, I understand it. That is the kind of argument that uh, is often proffered. The Supreme Court makes that argument that the Actors will be influenced. Hey, I'm on TV. But um, this is true in so many arenas of public life. You could say that of of baseball uh, players or members of Congress. God uh, forbid they ever grandstand. And you can, I I think Nick is coming at it. Um, I didn't read the whole op ed, but from a kind of. bygone day with uh, a sort of um, utopian view of how the rule of law works. I I can see people's thinking about themselves and, uh, you know, combing their hair a little different and that kind of kind of thing. But what I um, estimate is he is what's on the other side that strikes me as very weighty. It just so happens at this juncture in 2023 that this one criminal trial is of interest, not because of the way, you know, Judge Judy trials or even the OJ trial is. It's a huge civics lesson that the country's not otherwise going to get. There's just no substitute for seeing the historic uh, image of Mike Pence testifying against uh, Donald Trump, of Mark Meadows. It's the equivalent of the Watergate hearings, which those those moments were indelible and such an important part of the public education and the ultimate judgment about Nixon and all the president's men. So I take his point. I can see how it would subtly uh, alter things, but I think the um, people's interest in really seeing this trial trumps that or should. So you and I obviously sat together on panels, spent quite a bit of time in green rooms, and we've kind of had this question, or I should say this topic, um, as one of the topics that we were just talking about while sitting there. And we were talking about the transparency of the trial. Your point well taken The necessity, it's a teaching lesson, a civics lesson, something that your belief is that you will not be able to appreciate the gravity of this trial unless you actually get to see it and hear it yourself. But I want to pose a different thought for a second. And yes, I acknowledge that Mark Meadows, in one of these five trials, because they want to do it this transparency, these uh, televisions and the The ratings will go down eventually. Five. It'll be like public TV, uh, but yeah. uh, Who who knows? But I get it. Mike Pence, Mark Meadows. What happens to the person who's not the former vice president or the former chief of staff? Let's just take a look at what happened uh, the other day with the FBI special agents shooting and killing that Utah guy, Craig Robertson, who, after listening to Trump's rhetoric, if you come after me, I'm coming after you, and so on, ends up going on social media, talking about, I hear Biden's coming to Utah, right? Digging out my old, um, you know, girl's suit and cleaning the dust off, uh, the M24 sniper rifle, welcome buffoon in chief, right? Which ended up 
getting the guy a visit from FBI agents to investigate. A shootout ensues, and Robertson is left dead. What happens, for example, to people like me? Somebody who we already know is expected to be called in at least one, if not two, of the trials. What about me? I have no police protection. I'm not Fonnie Willis. I'm not Jack Smith. I'm not, you know, Mike Pence. I'm not Mark Meadows. I'm not, um, you know, uh, who else? Alvin Bragg. I don't have police protection. They offer me nothing except a thank you, a little pat on the back as you're leaving the front door where they will escort you out to a car that's waiting for you, not provided by them. Generally, you know, a cab, an Uber, you know, a family relative waiting to pick me up, a friend, right? Because I don't want to stand on the street. What about people like me? (laughs) Why in the world is somebody like me, I don't give a shit subpoena or not, now going to after everything that's happened to me, and you know, because we talk about everything from the book Revenge all the way down, unconstitutional remand, I can't get a fucking FOIA document after 18 months, you know, after two, over two years, but 18 months since the court said you could have it. All of a sudden, hey, Michael, not only should you provide this information, which is crucial to our investigation, crucial to the conviction of Donald Trump, but your safety as well. Why should somebody like me put my ass on the line for anything? Okay, so a few points. First, prosecutors do have the wherewithal to protect witnesses, and they they do sometimes when there's an immediate danger. That's point one. Point two is, and think of the Utah... Can I stop you on just point one? Can I can I stop yeah. you on point one for a second? They have the ability to do that. They've done it for themselves, but they haven't done it for any of the witnesses. I, right? So they think that their ass is in danger, and so they get the protection. But what about everybody else? Like, for example, Alvin Bragg, right? What did he do? Okay, he brought the indictment. Good for him. Should have been earlier, but good for him. It's not his testimony. He's just the guy that's going to be trying the case. What about all the witnesses? So he thinks it's necessary for him to have round-the-clock protection, but not the witnesses? So no. So that's the first point I wanted to make. Prosecutors do have the wherewithal to protect witnesses and you know if there's a if there's a real showing and maybe maybe one answer to the problem you're raising is they should use it more but in gang cases for example it's routine to take to hide witnesses and even if it comes to an extreme situations relocate them that's point one point two is as the utah um example shows it's not clear that the fact of being on TV, your mug is now pretty well known in Manhattan, Michael. And is is it the case that if it's on TV, that the dangers that you take on as a citizen grow um, much more? That's point two. Point three is we just can't succumb as a society. I'm thinking, you know, if this were maybe Guatemala or places where the bad guys actually control uh, it would be unstoppable to have witnesses mowed down and the like. That's an unacceptable situation. And if we really are succumbing to that as a society, then then we just don't quite have the um, rule of law. And so ultimately, you, the Utah thing raises another point, which is the hardest thing for law enforcement to get at and the lone actors. So if we're really, really talking seriously um, the the what I the question is if there's a one in ten thousand chance that a witness would be in danger versus all the things on the other side. I think that's what you're saying, right? We don't we it, it's almost unheard of for um, you know witnesses to actually be harmed, but a lot of fear, a lot of threats, etc. But if there's some minuscule chance 
do we make do we use that to say you cannot um, have public hearings? And I think the hard uh, the hard answer there is no, you don't. And it does. It's exactly as you say. You're not only doing your public duty by testifying, but you're also you know whether you're palpably endangering yourself or your family or just justifiably getting very nervous and uneasy about it. That's the price that society is kind of forcing you to pay for the broader um, issues at stake. That That's the real hard-nosed answer. I could say, oh, it won't happen because there'll always be protection, et cetera. But I acknowledge your point that if you have a mob boss or even a former president in, who can incite crazies wherever come out from under the woodwork, could it be a danger to witnesses that again you have that is more than if it's not televised because you know people know what mike pence looks like people know what mark meadows looks like people know what mike michael cohen looked like so it's it's a uh, you know i think that to have a full-fledged democracy it means we are you know ha are, are taking that small risk um in, as we do in congressional hearings as we do in um, you know anything with the executive branch, this so happens now to be a really, really important part of what government is doing, and it just shouldn't be closed to the people. And let's also not forget that this isn't the first that we saw. Remember when there was that lone actor that uh, opened fire on an FBI office? Right, I mean, right, exactly. Um, it's now you know, right after six months. Six yeah. months ago, uh, was it? Though? I thought it was fairly. I mean, you know, yeah, but look, I totally the, take your point. Look, Tom, I was a U.S. attorney. They always wanted to give me martial protection. I didn't want it, uh, and that's and that's because no one's really gonna. You could say that, but. It has happened once to a mentor of mine, a great guy, an assistant U.S. attorney in Seattle was shot and killed by probably involving some some uh, buddy he had prosecuted. It's, you know, and to this day, they they haven't tried or found the, the person. And it's a cause celeb among um, all all AUSAs. You, we've given funds to for you know rewards, etc. So the truth of the matter is, it's not a zero thing. It's a infinitesimal thing. But I, you know, I take your point and still say that the broader value. It's easy enough for me to say. I realize, but you know, I was U.S. attorney and in the crosshairs in that kind of way. Also, the broader value is it's a very very big value. The people's right to sort of see this and 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 I come to understand in a way only a trial and live testimony can do how their republic was nearly stolen from them it's just too important you know the reason obviously this is an important point is because your point is well taken yeah i do believe that for the country to heal to go forward Things like this, these hearings, the transparency of this type of a trial is essential, yeah. at least to help to restore the fractured reputation of both law enforcement and the DOJ in particular. But it doesn't help when the guy who is the defendant, who has a microphone that's really a megaphone, he's out there spewing in the dog whistle way that he does, in the mob-like way that he does. Yeah, this does. isn't even a dog whistle, this right? Sort of. I mean, he, this is a real whistle. Uh, this is, you know, Mike Pence. I mean, this is, what yeah. do we really need? Do we need, right? Do we need another an assassination yeah. like what just took place in Ecuador with that presidential candidate? Um, what's his name? Exactly. Fernando uh, Villavicencio. I mean, is that really what we need here in this country? Hundred percent not. And what and that would show we don't really have a developed. Uh, rule of law. But look, like there, there are intermediate. All I was saying is because of the lone actor, you can never get the risk down to zero, but you can get it damn close and, and stick around. This will probably be released. Will this be released Friday, you know, the, the 11th? So we're going to have uh -huh. the first hearing. We'll see yep. how there's a judge now who will, whose job it is to protect witnesses and court personnel and the jury pool and has some powers to do that, including if it comes to it, but it's a very, very, very hard um, setting to do it, can put the defendant, the former president of the United States, in the pokey 
Uh, but we'll see how she asserts herself in and her role as the protector of exactly these interests. And uh, I think there'll be a certain severity, but, though, but it can't get it down to zero because he right. says crap and it's people out there in the country because he's a demagogue who are some who are, well, not sometimes not accidentally like January 6th, but who, you know, t take his lead. And he seems to want to have it right. That that statement a few weeks ago was basically you put me on trial. The country will burn. You know, aside from the stunning like megalomania of that, it actually seems to be a desire as he was apparently like jubilant on January 6th. He wants he wants blood to spill uh for for the uh you know reprisal of charging him with crimes he committed that's that is where we are but that's we just cannot stand for that uh mindset to prevail but so far not one judge has held him in contempt right. or has held him accountable for these vile open statements of Fear, harm, threat, imminent threat. I wouldn't um, say accountable, Michael. Nobody has held him Just accountable. Just yesterday, we got an opinion from the D.C. Circuit affirming the judgment of a district court saying, "I, Twitter, you have to give all the, your information. And guess what? You can't uh, tell Trump about it because there's cause to believe under the law that he could do mischief with it or, or alert folks. People are aware of the risk in terms of the really muzzling him because he is risking the the safety of witnesses. He's only been indicted. I mean, proceedings have only, he's yes, we're, we're about to count number four, but they're all relatively new. So his date with destiny, as it were, is just starting when, on both the 11th and the 28th in terms of Judge Chutkin, who, you know, can do things in between, like impose a gag order, et cetera. And there, so there are tools and, and they would be effective with most people. Trump is such an odd situation for many reasons, including his um, countrywide um, megaphone. But there are tools. And all I'm saying, I'm, I'm taking your question really, really seriously, because you're the witness who has to worry after you leave and get in the Uber. And I'm, I'm just acknowledging it may be a non-zero chance, but it's damn close to zero. And there's important stuff on the other side. All I'm saying. So what about yeah. then Trump's argument that, you know, his, the case he's trying to make to obviously you don't have to make it to his supporters because, you know, if the guy if the guy fucking farted on television, he would tell them it's the greatest fart ever in the history of farts. Well, and, then, and they be, would all believe be. it. But his yeah. belief. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. But what he's saying is that by televising the trial, which, you know, he doesn't want. He'll say, I want it, I want it. But, you know, deep down inside, he doesn't because the camera will be fixated to every grimace, every eye roll, every sweat that pours down his brow. That this is, by showcasing, right, our judicial system, it kind of stifles, you know, any talk of an unfair trial because people will be able to see for themselves what's happening. He, you know, he clearly doesn't want that to happen. You, 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 follow, you follow what I'm saying? What? So, yeah, so he yeah, doesn't 100, want. 100%. He really wishes this would go away and he could just uh, be in the public sphere where he can distort the evidence, where he can say things without being subject to cross-examination. And you're totally right. I, you've probably had friends who, you know, served on juries and said, man... You guys go to such elaborate lengths to make sure it's done right, and we only get to hear testimony in certain times and stuff. This will be, and, and you know, he to to listen to him. If you're a um, an ardent follower, you think it's already a that the game is wired because the judge uh, who's presiding will was chosen by a Democrat. Honestly, that's how Crass's point of view is, and to see that in fact it's going to be played straight up. So that it that itself is is meaningful. I think there's another thing going on too. You've probably seen it. Um, I saw it many times. It's subtle. It's a you see it a little bit like 
at a prize fight where someone loses. A defendant, even a big shot, you know, Noriega is a good example here. You see them sort of in that chair, basically impotent, basically, you know, having to just sit there and take it. It's really diminishing of them and that, you know, and, and the the palpable loss of control. He looks like a, a, a you know, a figure who has been forced to to heal by the society that he injured. That's what he should look like. But I think it's sort of a humiliating posture for someone who's used to, you know, calling the shots and, and saying whatever he wants in the front of crowds. Yeah, I mean, think about it. There he is standing before a judge who is elevated, right? right? Because, you know, their their, um, dais is elevated over that of, you know, the defendant. He's looking up, they're looking down. And when it's your ass that's on the line and your future is in the hands of that one person, right? Especially when, you know, if that person is female, because Trump is sexist. If that person is black or brown or Hispanic or Mexican, right? Because Trump is racist. Automatically in his mind, despite the fact he doesn't want you to believe it, he thinks he's impervious, he's got, you know, skin that will bounce, you know, right. bullets One off more indictment, of, then I'll be sure to win the election. Shitless. That's how he's playing it, right. Exactly, right. He's scared shitless right I would be. now. All right, because he, by the way, because you're normal, <laughs> he may want to portray himself as, you know, this impervious human right that he's above it all it's not true yeah he's out there playing golf he's out there meeting with his friends you know uh or i should say the members at Lardo eating you know and so on only to pass the time not because when he's sitting by himself which is most of the time in his room at mar-a-lago watching television it's not boiling in his stomach and in his chest because he knows everything that he did. And the fear that he has is that the Mike Pence's, the Mark Meadows, Jared, Ivanka, and you know, I was with you on television when I said that I believe that they are informants. I, I really do. And again, it's my opinion. I have no basis for making that other than just the fact is that Jared, the secretary of everything, seems to have escaped any, you know, sort of accountability for anything. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Not to mention they knew exactly where all the documents were and so on for that, uh, for the FBI raid. But all these people who were there, who have emails and text messages, Michael to Harry, hey, Harry, could you believe that Donald won't go on television and tell these people to leave? Harry to Michael, oh, my, he's lost his mind. You can't even you can't even talk to him right now. If you try, he'll bite your head off. Right? These are the things that are going to get introduced. These are hypothetical uh, messages, everyone. Yes, Harry was not in the White House at the time of the January sixth. That was that was just an but example. He was all Trump right? was all upset Jeez, that Harry. he got called Mister Trump in court. You know, like everyone else. The in the also the multiple indignities he's gonna. You know, sit down, please, Mr. Trump. You know, he's going to he's not going to be in charge and it's going to be palpable. So and that's that'll be true in other places. But that's yeah. part of like a judge like Cannon. It's there is a real risk that is yet to be eliminated that she's kind of in the tank. But even if she's not, you know, she was reversed a couple of weeks ago because she forgot to swear in the jury. She's just not an experienced, strong judge who can bring him to heal. But Judge uh, Kaplan, as you know, in the E. Jean Carroll case, I think Judge Chutkin uh, here, who knows whom he'll draw in Georgia, they are. And that's, you know, that's just a nightmare to to him having to um, be bossed around. He's the big boss and he's being bossed around and treated like an accused criminal as presumed innocent, all those things. But he's got to uh, respect the process and this guy doesn't not only doesn't he respect anything 
he his brand is not respecting anything. His brand is being above everything. And here will be TV evidence that uh, guess what? You know, the the rule of law constrains him. So I'm curious as a former prosecutor, if if you do me a favor, take a step back for a moment and discuss with my audience your view of the size and the scope of what is occurring right now. Because you said to Nicole Wallace on Deadline, and I'm going to quote, that a former president is being charged with the most treacherous act in opposition to democracy, rule of law, and the peaceful transfer of power in our history. And I agree with you on actually that assessment. You know, what goes through your mind? When you're thinking about this. Well, it's funny because I'm aware of everyone's tendency to be overly focused and distort the importance of the present that's right in front of them. And so I, the first time I got asked this wasn't by Nicole. It was uh, another show. And my first notion was, you know, you fear that you're going to hyperbole. But this isn't hyperbole. There's uh, the, the the description you just gave. It's just a fact. I mean, it doesn't even take much reflection to think maybe, maybe some government actors were about equally treacherous uh, around the Civil War, although they were fighting for a cause. They were, you know, not nearly as as callow. But and that's just a maybe. But they weren't president of the United States. A president tried very hard in real time to upend the democracy and bring an end to constitutional rule. I can't think of anything bigger than that. And now, of course, normally, he should have been. A lot of people are saying this now. It, uh, much of the of what's going on now traces to McConnell's and company's fecklessness in not knowing that he was guilty and not um, convicting him on an impeachment and banning him from government. But now we have a process where the a trial, a criminal trial, is taking care of it. So I can't think of a trial anywhere near with those sorts of stakes. Uh, you know, try try to try to imagine big ones in history, and now. You combine it with the fact that the that the TFG is running again and is playing at the same time a huge gamble where um, his only way out of overwhelming uh, charges against him is to win the presidency and just smother the legal process so that, you know, normally you're looking, we're, we were already looking backwards to the most severe dereliction by any president in history. But now we're also looking forwards to a big roll of the dice that, you, that the whole system's vitality and maybe survival is at stake. Uh, you know, I'm in hyperbole land. I, I don't see how you how we've ever gotten bigger than that in terms of an individual criminal trial. But even if hypothetically he wins the presidential election, God forbid, a thousand yeah. times, right? That doesn't yeah. negate Georgia if and when Fannie Willis brings the indictment and if, in fact, he is ultimately held uh, accountable. It doesn't negate I'm Alvin Briggs. Close. People haven't realized this. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but... but um, it damn near it comes damn close because I think it's likely and I think it'll probably would be the right ruling. The Supreme Court would say, while he's president, you got to you, you can't put him in jail. You can't go through the pro while he's president. Um, I think that's quite likely. And it, it's a fundamental uh, principle, and it, but it also follows from other of their opinions. So now we're talking about everything stops. He he's president for let's say only four years. Then we recommence and we're in appeals, etc. The air's gone out of the tires, I, I, you know. So the notion people are way too sanguine about. You, you saw this just um, just yesterday. The big thing about how pardon works in Georgia and Kemp can't pardon him. He you know he's seventy seven. He's long lived uh, in uh, in in hereditarily, but. I see this as um, if he's elected president, maybe six years until, you know, accountability okay, would so, come. So let me and ask you this. That's a then. long time. Sure. But let me ask yeah. you this because 
So Alvin Bragg's case, as an example, and yeah. I will acknowledge uh -huh. to my audience, which I have before, including on television, yeah. um, that it is the least sexy. And see, of, on television, it matters more. That's why we have to televise the right. trial. Sorry, go ahead. Now, that it's the least <laughs> sexy of the potential right. five indictments. And I don't make any bones uh, about although it. Although it's got a lot of sex in it. Well, that's, that's true, true. Right. Um, yeah. That, you know, it's yeah. from all the charges, paying off yeah. a porn star, lying about it in your books and records and so on. Mind you, Harry, if that was you, like it was me, 48 hours, you're going to prison. They're already charging you right. the whole nine yards, right? Okay. And just stop here and think about why should this is a pretty sexy looking case. But it's not abuse of presidential power, which was what makes the other so breathtaking. Seditious yeah. conspiracy, theft of nuclear yeah. and top secret information. God knows right. who he showed right. it to, right? And then, you know, right. you have the other one trying to overthrow a free and fair election to negate people's, you know, right. decision to vote, which is right on par for the Donald Trump famous quote that I've been saying for years, something that he was fascinated with about Putin which is it doesn't matter who you vote for. All that matters is who's counting the vote. And we see that yeah. with the fake electors and so on. Would you do anything different, let's say, than Smith and Bragg and Willis in order to get to where we're at right now? Would you, like, take Alvin Bragg, for example. Would you have moved the case faster? Because that case is going to trial in March. At least, probably later, right? he'll probably At, defer. It cannot. It's set in stone. That case yeah. is going to trial in March. Assuming, assuming, because yeah. I do believe based on the information, the evidence, the testimony, documentary evidence, and so it's a very easy case to prove. He's found guilty. All right. Well, he would then be sentenced before the election. Right? So... Now what? Now what? Yeah. I, let me just start with this, which is I think it's a tougher question than most people are have been assuming. The uh, You talk about lone actors. The Tree of Life Massacre, that's my hometown synagogue. That guy, the, his trial, his trial, not even the appeals, which will go on forever, just completed. That happened in 2018. The trial just completed last week. The normal lifespan of the justice system uh, is is long. And so the initial question is, should guys like Bragg and Merrick Garland, et cetera, have been thinking in 2022, holy shit, we got to saddle up and really move things faster than we otherwise would because other because he might run for reelection. So I, just to frame it. That way, you know, already makes it clear that it's a it's a little bit of a of a tricky call. But I, I think what's happened in um, in these cases that, yeah, there's a way in which it would have been better were they sooner. And, you know, it's just capricious real life events. So Bragg comes into office and I don't care what people say now. I think it was clear he had cold feet about this case when he when he took the reins over from Vance. And of course, Vance. Uh, there was the happenstance, happenstance, whatever. There was the the, the um, exploitation of the legal system by Trump taking a an issue all the way up to the Supreme Court and back. So Vance uh, couldn't bring the case before the time that he would leave. And so then, and it took many months and and getting his his footing for Bragg to have it together. It would have been uh, preferable in retrospect had he done it sooner. Similarly with the DOJ, I've been the guy least likely to castigate the DOJ for dragging its feet, et cetera, least likely to say, you know, they were they were were, um, you know, resisting it because there's a lot of investigation going on. But even I have said, yeah, there's a there's they, they could have moved faster in the investigative phase um, than they than they did. But they're kind of making up for it with Smith. But OK, so those few months happen in a perfect world i do think the voters will have it should have a chance to know whether the guy they're voting for whether you're for against or undecided is a convicted felon of some serious crimes so the shape our country is in and the command that he seems to have over 30 percent of the electorate might suggest that it wouldn't it wouldn't change their views at all so 
basically I see this these this lapse of time. Um, oh, and one more point. There's no way, no way, and this is probably the case if they'd brought the charges immediately, that it's going to play to the the very end of the appellate uh, process by the time of the election. So it's all, it was always going to be the case that if he ran, he could shut it down. He did, wouldn't have to pardon himself. Just say, this case you're doing, stop doing it. That's that's something he can do. So I just, you know, I think this is just a, sort of shit happens, basically, and in, in different ways and different jurisdictions. And yeah, it would have been nicer if they were going at it sooner. But the fact that, as you say, Bragg could, he, he suggested to me, Michael, but you might, you probably know better, but Bragg, Bragg could um, bring it by March and, and Jack Smith, and we'll, we'll know much more about this on the 28th when Judge Chutkin sets the trial date. I think he will bring it sooner. That's a pretty lucky thing that, you know, we can still pull it out and have a judgment of a jury, even if it hasn't gone to appeal. So, you know, not, not, uh, not perfect, but, you know, nevertheless, I think people will go to the there's a very good chance people will go to the polls knowing that he's basically guilty as charged. Of course, mm -hmm. he, you know, people knew that already. And they and the real risk, the real fear is that somehow he makes that a matter of indifference by, as he always does, you know, just hoodwinking uh enough uh, enough people to do never 50 percent. he's never been at 50 percent. but to yeah, just no, and never will with the help of the electoral college system going over the you know uh that's that's a terrible um prospect just as you say but anyway yeah it could have been but you know i think we're in enough of a position to get a judgment and it's never gonna be that like all of a sudden 90 percent of the country understand he's a guilty sack and the most treacherous president in our history we're all we're always talking about margins with him and erosion just enough to uh be sure that he doesn't get elected so you said in a recent L.A. Times piece that you wrote, and I quote, yeah. Trump may believe in his own big lie, but that shouldn't save him from a guilty verdict for election tampering. Could you unpack for my listeners what you mean here that it doesn't matter if Trump believed what he was saying was truthful or not? Election tampering is still election tampering, no matter the context. Yeah, and and forgive me because it seems so straightforward to me. But this is what his lawyer, law, John Law, are, are out saying. You know, let's say he now look. He's going to try to. I, I the indictment make goes to great pains to show that he did know it. People, everybody told him, and he said it himself. So obviously, they think, and they're right. It helps for the jury to think that. But indulge for a minute and say you're in the jury room and you've decided for whatever, you know, uh, psychopathology, he actually thought the moon was made of green cheese, fine. So he should be able to do uh, what the belief leads him to do, i.e. go to court, which he did 60 times and lost 59 and a half. But it's just fanciful, just a, uh, you know, a complete non sequitur to say, oh, because he thought that he could substitute false electors and send them mm -hmm. to um, Congress and the Smithsonian or try to inspire a riot or try to delay the proceedings. He's got that. That is an unlawful thing to do. And when you agree to do something unlawful and take steps that way, you're guilty of conspiracy. And it, it doesn't matter in the slightest that he that he thinks he's you know what, what if he said look i know i won this guy cheated me so i'm going to shoot him in the head it's just very uh clear that he's charged nevertheless it doesn't make it not unlawful the things that he's charged with agreeing to do and remember conspiracy you don't have to achieve it that's the other thing that his guys out there saying oh he was just <laughs> i shouldn't laugh but you know aspirational to pence just a sort of pretty please it seemed it seemed pretty close to a gun to the head to me but it doesn't he said oh but at the end of the day no thanks to trump of course uh there was a peaceful transition of power on the 20th of january None of this matters because of conspiracy. Conspiracy is, you know, complete and a crime when you agree to do with other people to do something unlawful and you take steps to do it. So what this comes down to is the question, is there anything about what he believed in his head that makes it no longer unlawful to substitute false mm -hmm. electors, makes it no longer unlawful 
to um, uh, delay proceedings past the the legal limit set in the electoral count on. Makes it no longer unlawful to suppress people's votes because you think it's, you know, all in all uh, comes out in the wash. To me, putting it that way just seems, you know, beyond, it's it's just not a close call. It's so crazy because I sat in the office with Donald on so many occasions and we're talking about, say, for example, Vladimir Putin. And during his elections, right, um, he's winning 92% of the vote to the next person, 8%. And we all know that that's bullshit, right? Even the people in Russia know that it's bullshit. But he's been able to hold on to power for an indefinite period of time. Now, there was a big challenge, you may remember, in Russia that you can only be president for two terms, same, right? right? Eight years. So what does Putin do? He makes himself the prime minister and provides in an amendment to the Constitution that they have, which is really Putin's writing, that the prime minister is above the president and has the ability to tell the president what to do. So he makes Medvedev the president, right? And then after the four years goes by, he changes that you could be president as long as people will continue to vote for you. That's Donald Trump's game right then and there. And if they would have succeeded in this bullshit with the election tampering, we would have Donald and whoever else he chose thereafter as our leader for the rest of eternity. Because there is no way to undo that. When you control who counts the votes, it doesn't matter if one person votes or every single American votes. The person that you want to win, well, that's the winner. And by the margin. And so it just becomes where you Democracy become complacent. Democracy is a fragile thing. It's it really sh- true. It that's sure what is. the framers recognize. And this is our next to the Civil War. This is our the biggest, the biggest point of fragile, um, you know, exposure we've ever had. So I'm curious. What yeah. do you make of Trump's pushing back? You brought up uh, Judge um, Chutkin. What do you make of Trump's pushing back against Chutkin, um, against her protective order? I mean, do you because uh, it's this whole thing is obviously weighing on my mind as somebody who right. is expected to be, as I said, a witness in at least one, if not two, cases. Do you see a contempt charge being brought against Trump? Should he continue to use you know, social media and other platforms to threaten witnesses, prosecutors, judges, you know, anybody um, to stop them from... The process as it as it stands, I mean, do you see a contempt? Yeah. Well, you said should he continue? So we're in a showdown, but at the end of the day, the judge I think will say, and this is it's not just the judge, by the way. I think it was important. People kind of glossed over it, but the chief judge, other judges from that court showed up. That wasn't for prurient interest. They're they're showing a solidarity of mm-hmm. a court that's tried a thousand of these defendants knows how serious it is. Look, she's she if he's if he's doing an intangible way, or if God forbid there's an episode, as you say, she's got to put her foot down and she will. The thing is, she wants to to sort of subdivide any other any other defendant and here would already be in jail. That's the that's her ultimate card to play. We have conditions of confinement. And I'm I'm altering them so you have to go away. This is it's a very very serious thing to put a presidential candidate in jail. It, it, you know it's, it, it implicates our First Amendment rights as well as his. So she wants to try to have as much sort of room in between the ultimate. But so it's stern lecture, sterner lecture, possibly gag order, super stern lecture. But if he continues to be a jackass. I think there comes a point where she says, if you do this again, I'm putting you in jail, Mr. Trump. I've got nothing else to do. And then if he does it again and plays chicken with with her, he loses. So the, it really is the question. I mean, you you in some ways have a superior vantage point because knowing how what he'd be looking at would his either 
you know, sort of megalomania or martyrdom complex make him want to do this, make him want to try to put her in jail because he thinks it's good for him or whatever. It, eventually, there comes a point where that's the only card she has left to play, and she will play it. The 28th, again, is going to be really interesting. Is she going to lay down the, you know, is she going to say that all you come after me, I'm coming after you, the thing you said about Pence? we can't tolerate any of this crap and you know if she she's got to put down a marker but he is far from she also needs to build in several layers as many almost as she can before she actually tells the marshals to so, until take somebody, Mr. Yeah, until Trump somebody away. gets hurt until somebody gets well, what hurt. If I, and then or, you know they do even if then they give you a little pat attack, on the back yeah. right they give you a little pat on the back oh we're sorry Right. You know, we're, we're sorry. Or they or they or they, you know, they send you a fucking flag. I don't disagree. Right. When they're putting you in the ground, you know, that, oh, you're a true hero. You're a real American hero for standing up for democracy. And, and this hasn't you know, we're... happened yet, Michael. But now we're back yeah. to where we were before. Yes, well, that's right. But she just she can't pull the trigger, as it were, right away. It's a really serious thing. On the other hand, how serious is it for Trump? Even if he wants to be a martyr, you know better the kind of comfort the life he has going into jail for a few days with a jail toilet and a jail exposure and a jail you know cafeteria yeah i mean how insane is he i guess that's the right. question you know well, best for one there is no hairspray <laughs> in prison because it's flammable that's a big All point right? right so he'll he'll come out and it'll he'll be bald right well, I don't know about bald, but the left side of his head it will won't come be pretty. down. It right, won't the left be side pretty. of the hair, the left side of the hair will come down yeah. to the waist. The back will go down to the <laughs> ass crack, right? And then nothing right, on the right, other right. side. Well, let me ask you this then: What a picture, right? It's yeah. like in my in my book, Disloyal. I told you I have one chapter called Flip Flap Flop, which kind of describes how it works. But in an op-ed yeah. for the does he do it himself or does yes. somebody do it for no, him? No, 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 no. That's all done himself. He does it himself. He does. Yeah. He's an expert at it. He could do it with his eyes closed. Yeah. You know, it's called rote, uh -huh. right? You just keep doing something over and over. So in an op-ed yeah. for The Independent, you, Mr. Littman, wrote that Trump has truly met his match in special prosecutor Jack Smith, saying that he is, in a quote, the very antithesis of a generic prosecutor. He has sussed out his quarry as meticulously as Ahab sussed out the white whale. Now, of course, we're talking about Moby Dick there. Unpack, if you would, for my listeners. Which, which didn't end that well for Ahab. It's no, true. it did not. I was um, going to get to that, too. If you would, unpack for yeah. my listeners. What special qualities yeah. are required of someone taking on Donald Trump, especially in a trial that is of the former president's life as much as it is for his political future? I mean, knowing that Trump will do anything and everything in his power to remain free. Here's what I mean. We indulge, indulge. I don't. I don't mean to be cynical. We, but we um, continually repeat a kind of bromide that is sort of true, but sort of isn't. That bromide is just like anybody else. If you treated him any different, then that wouldn't be the rule of law. He did crimes, etc. And that would suggest that all Jack Smith is doing is kind of punching the clock as he would with any other defendant who did the same uh, crimes. But if you look at that indictment and, and uh, you know, others have made that um, point, I might've done it first, but anyway, <laughs> um, that, that he, um, he's really sussed Trump out. He is very carefully constructed. He, he has anticipated where Trump was going. Maybe it's not, so difficult. He's in many ways, as you've shown over the last few years, kind of predictable. But he took away the First Amendment uh, claim when he wrote the indictment because he because he knew that's where Trump was going. He most uh, most importantly saw Trump's as you know delaying strategy above and beyond everything else, and he took that largely away by not charging insurrection, which is a very complicated mm -hmm. legal um, issue, would give rise to lots of uh, motions, and by charging only Trump. And even though we know there are six, everyone keeps calling them unindicted co-conspirators. The indictment calls them co-conspirators. So, I, I, you know, I don't know 
if uh, it, these are these are people who easily could have been charged and he didn't so all i mean is he's not just mr by the book he's also thought carefully about his target and constructed a case designed to the particulars including this whole dynamic that we're all so focused on of trying to get a trial completed before the november election well before the november election so then what do you do for example when you have somebody again with trump's megaphone and following and so on and not to mention you know, pocketbook, because he keeps getting these suckers to keep sending him more and more money. So what do you do Amazing. when you have a when you have somebody like a Trump who is now asking that the federal judge who's presiding in his criminal case over the attempts to right, overthrow the 2020 election, he wants her to recuse herself. He also wants to change a venue outside of the District of Columbia. First, he goes on by accusing the judge without any basis, because facts don't really matter to the guy, right? Accusing her as she's partial against him. So I'm curious if you believe that either of these will come to fruition. And more importantly, do you think, I mean, when I say will come to fruition, that she will either recuse herself or that they will grant a change of venue? Because Trump's argument all along is that he cannot get a fair trial in D.C., right? He wants to push it to like West Virginia or something like that, where he believes that he has a better chance of having jurors that are part of the Trump cult chosen to be, you know, on the jury. Okay, a few things. First, venue and recusal. No chance. They're total losers. I will, what will I do? Comb my hair like Donald Trump or if uh, if either of those is granted. And, what, and for Smith's purposes, what he does is rely on the rule of law. You have to, you know, this is the, the real uh, danger with uh, the, you know, Judge Cannon down Mar-a-Lago is that you can't, rely on that and then the whole system crumbles so that's that's point one but it's a much bigger point and it's it's one of the reasons by the way you need a protective order smith being proper won't try his case in the press won't let evidence out and trickle it out and what trump would do if he got this is specifically uh let things out in in a um selective way that would paint the best picture but and and so that's one reason she should be deterred. But at the end of the day, I think the answer for Smith is you keep your head down, you and you do the best you can with the 12 persons who are chosen within the system. You understand that as you're going forward, I think you called it maybe a non-zero chance, mm -hmm. Michael. He's he's doing this extremely important task for society at, that is running in parallel with something that is it one percent, is it five percent, is it twenty percent? If that percent chance eventuates, we are fucked. It's just we're lost. So from his point of view, all he can do, all he sh you know, he's got a big enough job. Basically, the short answer, you know, you do some things with the rule with, you know, of course, relying on the law, keeping him from doing other things. But basically, his lookout is his lookout. And Trump will be one way or another, even without exploiting the discovery in the open field, say telling lies and trying to prejudice the people into thinking it's all a political prosecution brought by Joseph Biden, of all people. And his basic response has to be to put the blinders on and try the case in the courtroom and and get a conviction. That's really the all he can do. Yeah, see, Harry, let, let me tell you, obviously, knowing Donald as well as I do, what yeah. alternative does he actually have here other than to keep running yeah. his mouth, to keep creating divisiveness between <clears throat> the parties, calling everything partisan, calling for action, physical action by his supporters in the event yeah. that these partisans keep going after your favorite president, me, right? Um, what else does he have? He knows the facts. Look, 
Donald is not a rocket scientist, all right? Doesn't read, sees things myopically. Is that right, by the way? He like he's, he never, he never has reads. read a book? Never, never, never Just read a ever, book. Yeah. Right? It sure seems um, that way. Okay. The only thing he'll read is newspaper clippings if his name is in it. And he doesn't even finish the clippings either. The point is, and it's true, but the point is... I believe you, yeah. He has no alternative to keep yeah. doing what he's doing. And my biggest fear, again, is that something is going to happen. You know, I've had guests on this podcast and we talk about the danger that Donald Trump is posing that most people aren't even taking into consideration. And that's the people like this guy Robertson, these lone wolves, or the people who are still part of a larger group that are dedicated to saving Donald Trump, right? Now, I don't think you're going to see too many of the Oath Keepers doing shit because most of them are either locked up or they're looking at Stuart Rhodes with his 18-year, you know, sentence. That's no joke. And where was Donald Deterrence. to protect him? Deterrence, right? But where right. was Donald to protect him? No lawyers. The whole. By the way, the other guy, um, uh, De Oliveira, he he pled. He couldn't even plead because he doesn't even have a lawyer. Really? Delay tactic? Surprise, or surprise. is it just that Donald? Or is it Donald's not willing to pay or cannot pay or just doesn't want to pay for his representation? Which again, another mistake, and he should have learned once, but he won't. This is a real problem. And the question then really becomes if Donald is indicted again for a fourth and fifth time, and when these cases do go to trial, and he is found guilty. What happens? Do we start to yeah. see a explosion of violence, American against American? And again, very different than the civil than the Civil War, right? I mean, they just had a fucked up ideology, the South, right? They wanted free labor, right? This is different. This is yeah. pro-democracy versus authoritarianism. I mean, that's really what it's become to. Do you think that we see an explosion of violence in this country? And if so, you think that our law enforcement is ready for it? Okay, so man, an ultimate and in some ways imponderable question. Explosion of violence law enforcement would be ready for. But if I we're agree. truly in that situation, uh, and we've seen we've seen this, right? I mean, the... the, the uh, Spectacular kind of successes, if you could call them that, by by lawbreakers are are use a surprise factor. They don't they don't do it when they're you know when when uh, the people when law enforcement is there for them. But if we're in that situation uh, where it really is, we're sort of at war and law enforcement is putting down a very significant force of insurrection. You know, we are in a world of hurt and our democracy is hanging by a thread. Well, we have to hope. And I think there's real cause to hope this is that, you know, little by little, the air leaks out of the tires. Even the even the Stuart Rhodes of the world, I think, have gone past Trump and thought he's not, you know, he's not uh, radical enough for their for their wants. But I do think little by little, it, it won't be uh, overnight and it won't be, com you know, completely conclusive. His ability to really marshal, you know, civil disobedience and violence diminishes air air goes out of the tires and so my best guess but i don't have i don't know what sort of learning one brings to bear maybe it's just sort of you know disposition uh but my best guess is when that day would come there would be overall social acceptance always worries about lone wolves etc but sort of ragtag little groups of support as we've seen right when he's been indicted so far it hasn't been anything like january 6th if it really is a matter of you know january 6th writ large i think law enforcement will put it down but then our society is in deep crisis uh what we have to want what we have to you know pray for hope for uh count on is that the when the process which includes a, a trial the best way we can to with all mm -hmm. protections to get at a result renders its verdict people by and large you know accepted enough to to um 
uh, move on. And if if they don't, uh, better that we put them down with force. Yes, but but you know that's a problem that that then um, remains. But you know since. I was around actually for Waco in the Department of Justice. I mean, there there has been a kind of it's not just been Trump in the last, say, 50 years where you have eruptions, but then things subside, et cetera. You know, at the end of the day, we have to think that Trump is less powerful than he believes himself to be. And if we're wrong there, any way you slice it, it's um, yeah, but you know, Waco, he's Putin, but, he's Putin yeah. then, and we are in a major, major yeah, crisis. But, but Harry, I think you'll acknowledge Waco is nothing like what we're talking about here. That was just you know this, this myopic little area. We're talking about a guy who was yeah. basically wanting to rewrite the Constitution. Right. I mean, it's not my words. Yeah. It's his words. He wants to rewrite the Constitution, which of I mean, course, it, it is amazing the shit he's out there saying now, which will promising if he gets elected and we'll say he has a mandate for this. So that's that's part of what I was saying before, how important it is. I, You know, you just the state. It, it really is unimaginable. It really does feel like the end of the American experiment. If, you know, maybe 50 years from now, some but maybe no chance. not once, once you lose. I'm trying once to think you lose of countries, these rights, they're gonzo. Yeah, right. You know, ancient Greece down to exactly. you know, uh, Turkey, Hungary, whatever. It, 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 democracy is hard to crawl your way back to. It's impossible. So, Harry, the hour yeah. goes by quick. I have a question oh, wow. that I've been yeah, asking. Yeah. I have yeah. a question I've been asking all of my guests because yeah. you amongst them are a great prognosticator, right? I mean, your predictions are um, pretty good. But predictions are yeah, a dime a dozen okay. these days. Yeah, if you would do me right. a favor and look into the Harry Lippman crystal ball, all right? Okay, you're looking. Wait, I need, I need, I need to concentrate here. Okay. Okay. All right. Where is okay. Trump two years from now? Is he in prison? Is he in the White House? Or is he, you know, lurking about Mar-a-Lardo, knocking down hamburgers, right? Diminished, neutered, you know, and just a half-baked Donald Trump version of himself. And Harry's rubbing his temples. I'm going with temples. option three, <laughs> but it's tricky because the very charges that he's leveled about politicization, et cetera, led to a state of affairs where Biden withdraws completely and where um, Garland withdraws 80%. And what's left is just Trump and the legal system. He's in the jaws of the system that I, I think I think more likely than not, he will be convicted of crimes that would land anybody else in jail. Now, there's some so there's some argument, you know, Nixonian argument that, you know, for it's better to just have him go away than in no in an home orange, confinement, uh, jump significant home confinement, yeah, some of that. But but um, but you know, I mean, that's not what the guidelines provide. And how's it going to work exactly that, you know, once a judge this, he doesn't get the sentence. And once he gets the sentence and goes on appeal and it's upheld, he you know, the the, the jail door doesn't clink behind him. I don't know. And I think the option of the number one option of in jail is a is a very real one, even though it seems almost incredible to contemplate. But if if I um, the vibrations I'm picking up from the from the netherworld tell me, Michael, that somehow he'll be a judge guilty, but but not, um, you know, put to hard labor. Well, my best Harry, guess. Uh, appreciate you can, your prognostication. That's right. right. Appreciate you, right. my friend. Um, obviously, yeah. got to have you back as more of this stuff, you know, continues to yeah. rear its ugly head. I thank you, my friend. You know where to find me. Yeah. I sure do in the green room. Harry, be good, my brother. That's right. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we got today, folks. I'll be back with you full steam next week with nothing but the truth. And again, as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. 
Mea culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth. This is my